Prime Minister has this evening made it clear that the country will move into a state of lockdown. You must stay at home. Stay at home. Thank you so much pastor dave pastor karen thank you for being great people and the entire leadership of kingsgate and my center pastor in cambridge pastor simon and his lovely wife zia thank you so much we began the year celebrating and looking forward to a great time my heart was filled with expectation that 2020 and the beginning of a new decade as 2020 was announced, it would be a time where truly I would be going into a new realm. I was, I was really dreaming big that, wow, things are really going to be happening. My wife and I had many plans. We'd set out and said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to be. And we're going to go this way. We're going to do this. We had written out our plans and said, oh, by March, we should be looking at this by June, we should be looking at this, but by June, nothing was together. In the month of June, I began to remember a book that I did in high school called Things Fall Apart, written by Chinua Chebe. The title of a book he took from a poem written by William Butler Yeats in 1919, at the end of the First World War, and also at the end of the Spanish flu pandemic, during the Spanish flu pandemic, William Butler Yeats nearly lost his pregnant wife. And as he wrote that poem, The Second Coming, it's filled with Christian imagery. Listen to just a few lines of the poem. He begins by saying, turning and turning in the widening gyre. The falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. When I read that, I actually was laughing and saying, wow, was he having a glimpse of 2020 as he wrote that? It sounded so prophetic. And yet when he wrote that in 1919, the world had been shaken. In the midst of everything that we go through, when you look through the headlines, when you look through all that's happening, and all the news that you're going to be hearing from either your workplace or from your friends and from everything that's happening. You, you can be shaken. I've had friends who've lost loved ones during this time. I have a friend who lost her husband and her son was stabbed to death. All during this period of time. I was left asking God, where are you? In the midst of the unsettling, the world, the news and everything that we were receiving, I received a phone call from my home telling me that my dad needed to go home for, needed to go to hospital for surgery for a pacemaker. Now for, for me, 
I wouldn't be able to travel because my dad resides in Kenya. And knowing that the airports are closed in Kenya, knowing that everything is shut down, it meant that my wife and I could only do one thing. We could only look to the word of God and we could only look up to God and ask God that he would intervene. I'm sure you and I can all give stories of different things that we've had. Some of you listening have been followed. Some of you even listening maybe don't even have a job and you're wondering where your next meal is going to come from. Some of you listening are wondering what next. In the midst of everything, I began to reflect on Paul. You see, the book of Philippians, when Paul wrote it, he was in jail. He was locked up, incapacitated because he couldn't go anywhere. Paul loved traveling to the churches to go to see how they were doing. But being in jail meant he couldn't go, but his letters could go somewhere for him. But Paul was intoxicated with the veracity of the truth of who Jesus is. Paul, while writing the letter to the Philippians, and I'm sure you've seen some nuggets, and I, and I certainly would encourage you, like Pastor Dave did encourage us at the beginning of this series, to read the book of Philippians. It's just 20 minutes. You, you will see some nuggets there that will really strengthen your faith. Paul begins by saying in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says that God, who began a good work, is faithful to complete it. There's a man who's in jail. He's looking and saying, God, what you began in me, you are able to complete it. And he's encouraging others. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 is actually my favorite verse. And in there, Paul writes and says that I may know him. Here's a man who's been walking with God. He's in jail because he believes in Jesus. He's preaching the message. He's, he's, he's living for God. Many times he's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's, he's suffered a lot. And yet he's saying that I may know him. That I may know him more and more. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul has some great advice on peace. And I'm going to be sharing some great wisdom that I have drawn out of these few scriptures. Firstly, let's understand what peace is. The world has a definition of peace, and the definition of peace that God has is totally different. You see, the world defines peace as an absence of war, a calmness where everything, there's a freedom from any disturbance. But you and I know that God describes peace a bit different. It's to do with a calmness that has to do with an inner calmness. Jesus, looking at the disciples, he told them, you know what? I bring peace, but the peace I bring, it's not like that of the world. And the peace that Jesus had was the kind of peace that you and I I can imagine Paul sitting in jail and reflecting and looking at the life of Jesus, having heard about Jesus and even from the personal encounter he had with Jesus in Acts chapter 9. He drew some powerful principles that would enable you and I to live a life of peace. You see, peace is either external or inner. 
God is interested in your inner peace because you and I have no control over externalities. We can't control certain things, but there are certain things that we can take charge of. And God expects us to take charge of these things. You see, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul begins by saying, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. The first thing that Paul is telling the church, is telling you and I, is telling everybody in the world, shouting it out from his prison cell, is that you have to maintain your joy. You have to maintain an atmosphere of joy. You can't let all the news to come in and take everything around you. No. You have to be joyful. You see, he's telling them, listen, your joy is critical in this moment of time. He is a man who's in jail and yet he's saying rejoice. Was he remembering when in Acts chapter 16 he had been jailed and he decided to sing and as he sung and as he prayed, suddenly he was let loose from jail. I want to encourage you that no matter what you're facing, rejoice. I know that's a hard thing to say and you might be looking and saying, Charles, you don't understand my pain. But let me encourage you that if God be God and God has not abdicated his throne, rejoice. God is still in charge. He's still God. He's still the ruler of the heavens and the earth. He's still the one who's the creator. Rejoice. Let an atmosphere of joy flood your life. Let it be what it regulates everything about you. So rejoice like never before. The second thing Paul tells the church while writing to them in Philippians chapter 4 verse 5, he says, be gentle in your dealings. I'm paraphrasing it to make it easier. He says, be gentle. Let gentleness, the Amplified Bible says, be considerate in your dealings. Paul is looking and saying, you know what? When the going gets tough, don't become tough on others. Be resolute, yes. But that doesn't mean that you should be coarse in your dealings with people. Be one who is a gentle soul. Remember that Jesus, even on the cross, did not abuse anybody. He didn't strike back to those who were beating him. He didn't utter a bad word to the Pharisees who were abusing him. Even when Pilate was asking him, he never said anything. He was a gentle soul. Paul, I believe, was looking at Jesus and saying, this is the example, so be gentle. Why? He continues to say in Philippians 4, 5, it says, the Lord is nearby. When I read that, my wife was saying, God is watching. So we have a responsibility to be gentle. To be gentle to everybody, gentle to our neighbors. I mean, this is a time we're going to get close to everybody. And we got close to everybody. People you hadn't seen because of our work schedules and because of life happenings. You, you just say hi and meet them and that's it. But now you are going to be close to people. So Paul's encouragement while locked down and locked up in his situation was be gentle. God is watching. The third thing that Paul encourages is 
in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, which reads, don't be anxious with anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, pray. You know, when a baby is born, the first thing that a baby does is to cry out. Doctors have told me that the reason that happens is because the lungs need to be able to now function. It needs to be able to breathe. Why? Because the baby has been in a womb, but now is in an environment that's totally new from the womb. You and I are in a totally different environment. We have absolutely no reason but to cry to God, the maker, the ruler, the one who rules and reigns. We have every reason to cry to him and remind him his promises. Take the Bible and remind him his promises that even in the midst of the storm, he's there. Do you remember one time Jesus was in a boat to the disciples? He fell asleep while a storm was raging. And the disciples were wondering, hey, aren't you worried that we're going to die? And he was wondering, like, how can you die? I'm, I'm Jesus. You can't die in this. And I believe that's the same question Jesus is asking. How come you're not waking up? You have not cried to him so that he can deal with the storm for you. You know, Paul encourages and says, not only should you pray, but he says that your prayer should be cloaked with thanksgiving. You see, another way of putting it is that I believe when reading that scripture is that Paul is saying, whatever your prayer is, let it be like a letter and let thanksgiving be the envelope that takes your letter. We live in a world that today is full of people who are complaining left, right, and center. Complaining because of this, their issues, their this. We're not happy about this. But don't bring complaints to the prayer place. No, be thankful. You might look at me and say, Charles, you don't understand. I've got nothing to give thanks for. Oh, trust me, you do. You got out of bed, you've got a reason to give thanks. You're not in a hospital bed, or even if you're in a hospital bed, you're alive. That's the reason to give thanks. You and I have an assurance that God is God, so give thanks to him. The last thing that Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, think upon these things. It's interesting, and that's part of the reason why I sat where I'm sat, so that the blinds are playing around with the lighting. You see, Solomon said, as you think, so are you. You see, thoughts enable us to see who you are. The same way if I open the blinds fully, they would allow light in. When your thoughts are not controlled, we don't know what you've allowed into your life. You see, Paul wanted to tell the church that you have a responsibility to regulate how you think. You just can't think anyhow, even in a tough situation. 
Here was Paul who was saying that you have to think right. You have to think about how things are. You have to think about everything and understand that nothing is too hard when you think the way God wants you to think. You see, Paul was commending them and telling them God's works are great. So you have to think about the works of God. You have to come to that place of saying, you know what, my thoughts, I'm only going to allow what is right, what is honest, what is profitable, what is praiseworthy, what is excellent. I'm only going to think on that which is pure, that which is holy. I'm only going to think on that which is progressive. I'm only going to think good thoughts about other people. Because when you think like that, you are regulating the thermostat of your thoughts. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 19, that God gives the fruit of your thoughts. So when you think like that, your harvest, your life begins to manifest great things. Before we close, I want to tell you a story that happened to me a few years ago. I was in university in Kenya, and we had to close because of land clashes. My university was 300 kilometers away, 320 kilometers to be precise, away from home. To get home, I had to go through a very bad section that was on the news that in this place, there were people who were being killed of different tribes. I belonged to the tribe that was being killed at that time. I remember coming together with friends and we were all in a situation wondering how we're going to get home. We met together very early at five in the morning and prayed for one hour. We chose to rejoice remembering the word of God that says, that his mercy endures forever. We chose to believe God, like in Second Chronicles chapter 20, that after they had the word of God, they put people to praise in front of the army. So we said, you know what, we're going to go singing and we're going to get home. We had to walk five kilometers before we got a vehicle to take us to a town called Eldoret. When we got to Eldoret, there were no vehicles going to Nairobi, which was home. We needed a vehicle to take 18 of us. 18 of us agreed that we would go home and would be fine. One gentleman looked at us and said, you guys are crazy, but I'm going to get a vehicle that's going to take you. And we looked and said, if you're crazy to believe that we're going to arrive well, we will be well and God will bless you. So we got ourselves together, got into the vehicle and went. 50 kilometers into the journey, the vehicle suddenly couldn't go into certain gears. But we believed God. We can't come out of the vehicle we're in now. We can't get another vehicle because now we're in hostile territory. Because we're seeing, we're seeing houses being burnt. We're seeing homes being set on fire. We're seeing people running and everything. And as roadblocks that have been set up, somehow we were just being allowed to pass through. Why? Because we kept singing and kept giving God praise. We refused to think that we were going to die. We refused to think a negative thought. And all we chose to believe was, God, you are for me. He who began a good work in me is able to complete it. We kept reminding ourselves that God is faithful. 
that the plans that he has for us, they're for good. Even in this situation, we're going to get there. As we pass Nakuru town, a paramilitary police force was fighting with people trying to get place order and everything. Gunshots were fired as our vehicle was passing and no bullet touched us. The driver said, truly, God is with you guys. We looked at him and said, no, God is the one we're just believing to be with us. By the time we got home, a journey that should have taken three hours took seven and a half hours. The vehicle having issues with many other problems with places where we were being stopped and, 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 and knowing that if you're told to come out, it might be the last time you see anybody alive and just believing God. A journey that we started by first praying in the morning at 5 a.m., we finally got to Nairobi at 10 o'clock. When we arrived, the driver gave us back our money that we had paid for fare and said, God is with you guys. I want the same God to be in my life. We led him to Christ because he had seen a God of peace that in the midst of the trouble, we were at peace even as we sung and gave thanks that God is well able. Those days we didn't have mobile phones or anything like that. So you just get into a phone booth and call my dad and ask my dad to come and pick me. My dad had to come and when he came, it was about 10.30 at night in the middle of the city and called, came quickly and drove all of us home. We were grateful. We had a great time. We saw God. And for me, that helped me remember one thing, that God is forever going to be there. He's a God of peace even in the midst of a storm. As I've been going through my lessons in lockdown, I've been remembering that story, that Jesus is waiting for me to invite him that I may experience his peace. Wherever you are watching, I just want to ask you if you would allow Jesus to come into your life. If you would want him to come into your home, your marriage, your business, I want you to say this prayer after me. Father, I come to you. Thank you for sending your son, the Prince of Peace, into my life. Thank you that you love me so much. That even in the midst of a crisis, your peace is real. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Come into my all. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, we would like to walk with you on this journey of being a believer. There's a link on the screen. Click on that link. One of our members will be talking to you, willing to walk with you and answer questions that you may have. I want to pray for each and every one of you. And I just want to decree that God's peace will become real to you like never before. Father, we decree this is your season. I pray for every believer that is listening to me, every person listening to me, wherever you are,
I speak to the north, the south, the east, and the west, that the peace of God permeate all that pertains to you. Let the peace of God permeate your finances, the peace of God permeate your marriage, permeate your relationships. Let the peace of God rule over all that pertains to you. Let the peace of God become a garrison of your mind, your heart. Let the peace of God fight for all that pertains to you. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.